Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, welcome back to What's the Word Downtown. I'm Matt. This is Pastor Eric Barton. We're looking through Eric's message from yesterday from Luke Four. Now, Eric, we Luke ta- five. Luke five. I was way off. They're sequentially connected. Uh, so the calling of the first disciples. Yep. And then the man with leprosy. So the calling of the first disciples. We start out with uh, him going, standing by the lake. He understands the sort of natural amphitheater that that can be created on the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching. And he's and as this as we heard earlier in Luke four, he's teaching as one with authority. We talk right. about. Uh, this being the word made text, but we know that Jesus was the word made flesh. What he right. speaks ultimately becomes canon and ultimately becomes, I mean, the word of God expressed through the mouth of a man, but also God. Correct. By the way, I do have to point out yes. the, uh, the notes coming out of your Bible. There was a delicate, subtle touch right. of your esoteric learnings. We appreciate I'm still, that. Yes. Well, yeah, those were all the notes from yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure they were. So... The interesting thing is that we're told by Luke, a Gentile, more than a few times that Jesus is teaching, preaching, and instructing the Word of God. So it's interesting that a Gentile wants his predominantly Gentile readership to understand that Jewish Messiah is using Jewish scripture, Torah, and the prophets to explain who he is and what he's come to do and accomplish and be. But Luke's point is that he's also been made fully available to Gentiles, not at the expense of the Jewish people, far from it, but as an inclusion, the Gentiles and the Jews together. And so we see here on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee that he's teaching the word of God. Later in Luke 24, we see Jesus talking about that all of the scriptures, which at that point is Old Testament canon, are preparing for and pointing to him. And so as he's doing this, there's this group of people, we have to remember, that are in the northern part of Israel in the Galilee, that it's 400 years of silence that Mm -hmm. they're on the back edge of. Not that there's been no priestly activity at all. There has been. But during that 400 years, there's been no prophet giving an oracle saying, thus says the Lord. And then this one shows up who's very much like what Moses promised in Deuteronomy 18, one who would come after, who would speak with authority. Mm-hmm. We must listen to him and follow him. And so there is an innate hunger, a thirst mm-hmm. for righteousness that when people haven't heard from God in that way, when he does begin to speak audibly and also textually, man, it is compelling. And the people press in on him literally so much that he's getting pushed into the water. And these same people have been told, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's right. That's As right. he comes out of the baptism waters. Uh, he, he comes to calling these first disciples. He, he goes straight uh, to the top, right? The uh, <laughs> the smartest guys in the room. Or the bottom. The, I mean, the, Maybe really the bottom. Uh, yeah. I mean, we think Peter is probably a redhead, but we don't yeah. know. I mean, that's a little bit of yeah. an aside. But... He goes to these grizzled fishermen. One of the early church fathers said, I think it was Origen, said these men who had hands like shovels. 
I mm. love that description because mm. they're kind of brutish. They're not the top of the academic food chain, we might say. And for whatever reason, it's Simon, Shmon, we would say Shmon. in Hebrew. It's him. I mean, almost certainly Peter would have been at synagogue the previous mm -hmm. Sabbath mm -hmm. and seen Jesus address the demon-possessed man in the synagogue at Capernaum. He would, of course, been at his own home where Jesus rebukes the fever mm -hmm. that was afflicting Peter's mother-in-law. And now he's on the, on the seashore cleaning his nets because they didn't have any luck fishing the night before. And it seems to be just, it's Peter. Why so, Peter? Why Peter? So let me ask you this. You know, I'm given to symbol. Yeah. But is there something like, uh, you know, hey, man, you're a, you're a child of God, born a Jew, Peter. Uh, you born probably without doubt uh, at synagogue the day before. Yeah. Or the day before yesterday or whenever. Yeah. In other words, you live your life as a Jew, but you're coming up empty. Right. I mean, is there something here? Does he begin that well, sort of soft, symbolic sort of, hey, look, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put your, you know, transfer your source of hope because this is not going to get you fish and it's certainly. not certainly not going to bring people close to you. Well, and we'll talk about this, Lord willing, next Sunday yeah. as well. But yes, you have the religion, the organizing narrative that God gives to the nation of Israel through Moses some approximately 1,500 years prior. And that system begins to be warped and perverted. It's certainly after Malachi, before the first gospel accounts, those four centuries, there begins to be a complete warping. And so the religion is no longer even really what it was given by God. It's, it's some would say it's evolved, some would say it's devolved, where man has taken all of the stuff of Torah from Moses and they've added to it so many more strictures. Mm -hmm. And all of those strivings of men have, of course, produced more and more heartache, affliction, and separation from God. So that Peter and the rest of his companions are going through the motions, really, of a toothless, clawless, powerless system. And it's not, not only powerless, I mean, still power, powerful, but power being leveraged to keep power from those who are already oppressed. Correct. It became a ladder-based system that only those on the top rung could have access, mm -hmm. which is never at all what God intended. And he went and begins to go to the bottom rung to seek out the people whose sensitivities are such that perhaps the kingdom of heaven was is within them, but they certainly are not finding any uh, encouragement to that end no. outside themselves in that cultural space at the time. And yet, they know that God is. Mm -hmm. They know that God is good. They know that God will send Messiah. They still hope that it will be a Messiah that completes their vision of conquest, glory, and victory. When he shows up as a, a mason, carpenter, craftsman in Nazareth, that's not at all what they expect. And yet, what Jesus, of course, brilliantly, and in the leadership of the Holy Spirit, is doing is he's showing that the last Adam has come. First Adam created in the image of God, but is almost immediately corrupt and fallen. The last Adam, who is the most full human human, mm -hmm. begins to recapitulate and redeem and sort of start this sunrise burst of goodness, grace, and glory, 
which is why I think we see him put out into the boat and teach what he does. And Peter's a captive audience right there. And then Jesus tells him to go fishing. Yeah, and it's it's like uh, it, I'm thinking of um, the, the, the star of the morning, the joy comes that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Here Peter says to him, Master, we've worked hard all night. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder if the symbol, uh, symbol is there. Uh, hey, it's been 400 years of darkness. Yeah. And here you are. And it's the dawning of a new age. Yeah. And I can't be helped if I'm a little suspicious. We've been working all night, as it were, in the dark, not hearing from God for 400 yeah. years. And anything that our people have to give away is actually not feeding people. Yeah. I I think there's probably something to that. I don't want to go too deep in it. But. Well, no. And, and does Luke know all of that as well mm. as he's writing this? Probably not. He might. Mm. I don't know that. Certainly, I would say that... The Spirit of God knows these things. But I think even the, the fishing metaphor, we can take it too far and it can descend mm-hmm. into allegory. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense in which fish don't like the light. Mm-hmm. They don't want the brightness that exposes them and leaves mm-hmm. them vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Fish prefer the dark, which mm-hmm. is why they fished at night. And so a lot of times it's been said as a fishing allegory, what, what Jesus did and what we're called to do is to bring fish, or in this case, people to the light where they're exposed and it's dangerous. And if they're taken out of the depths, they die, Mm. but they are reborn. Mm. And so there is a sense in which we're prepared for that image of the bounty and the plenty that Jesus, who is exhibiting and demonstrating dominion over the fish of the sea, which is again, a recapitulation of what Adam was created to be and to do, Genesis 1, 26. Mm-hmm. He created man in his image so that man would have dominion over the fish of the sea, the very first mm-hmm. thing. Jesus arrives, this carpenter from Nazareth, the hill country for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. See what I did there, mm-hmm. Pete's sake? Gotcha. And tells him to go fishing. And Peter says, okay, boss, I've seen your power. I've seen what you've been able to do, but still not calling him Lord. And so we see all those symbols, metaphors bound up in this one simple act. And it's profound. And Peter reacts not with bravado. And he doesn't say, hey, we're going to you know, entrepreneurially capitalize on this. Jesus, you ride with us. We'll bring this kind of stuff in every day and be millionaires. No. Peter recognizes you're the Lord and I'm sinful. You have to be away from me. And when you come into the light, that's the first thing that goes. That's the first thing that right. you realize. The first thing that your, your ego is shown for what it is, yeah. and you realize empty hands I bring only to the cross can I cling. That's so, a song somewhere. Well, and I think it seems like, Peter, this is a profession of faith to say, I am a sinful man. Depart from me. In other words, he's, he's at least acknowledging you're good. I'm bad. What do you have to do with me? Yes. It's a confession. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. The speaking the same words as yeah. that's what confession is. And it's an absolute accurate assessment. I had in my notes from yesterday's sermon, a low anthropology and that Jesus doesn't let him off the hook and doesn't say, no, come on, you're fine. You try hard. He just, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In other words, what you say about yourself is true, but, but I'm, good. I'm not going to, I'm not going to annihilate you. Right. Because grace has come, that's first advent. Glory is coming, that's second advent. But in the meantime, he is savior and he's good and he loves us. But don't, but you see clearly that though we could call, we can call this confession from Peter. It's confession that is born out of in part error in that 
for 400 years or for everything that this Jewish man has been taught has helped him to believe that when he is sinful, God is angry, wrathful, and there's no other chance but to get away from God. That's a great point. Right? So now uh, he he not only confesses what is true about himself, but he also uh, highlights the predicament that the Jew is in at that time. Correct. And that, we, and that all of us, by extension, right, are in. For the last 2,000 years, we think we mess up and that God is angry. So don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And it's, a, it's, it's people, I mean, or humans. But I, and I would say, and I was talking to you about this last week, the idea of coming into the light, the light of God, shining upon you, however you want to say it, does make you a more catching person. Mm-hmm. That is to say, you know people who walk in error. I'm one, right? <laughs> but I'm talking about the sort of perpetual error that makes them the kind of person that uh, Megan would say to me one time. She's like, you know that friend of yours? He's a dangerous friend. You may call him friend, but be but be aware. Yeah. And, 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 that is to say, he's not the he's not a catching friend. He's not someone that's going to draw you to him in a in a in a you know. So, is do I get Pe- to guess who that was? By no, no, no. Oh, it, was, it was you. Oh, yeah, figured. Do, yeah. Does does Peter become a, a fisher of men? Yes, mm-hmm. we know that uh, he is going to become a catching person, but that does not happen throughout the ministry of Jesus. It does not. It is it is really and truly a spectacular collapse of, of a man until the resurrection and the indwelling of the spirit. Right. I mean, you sort of see that Peter, he, he trusts that Jesus is who he says he is. And yet he continues on in his own strength and he continues <clears throat> to just miserably mess up. And so there is a contrast between the work of Jesus and what we still try to do in our own strength and there's nothing, there's nothing that Peter or his partners could have done to catch those fish that day. Nothing. It was 100% the work of Jesus that filled those nets. Okay, so let me ask you this, because I want to I pivot from right there to the work of Jesus. Yes, filling the nets and also drawing Peter to himself through his generosity, mm-hmm. his kindness, mm-hmm. his provision, obviously. And, and Peter follows him. Yep. And where does he follow him? Well, as far as Luke would have us understand, the first place he goes, the first stop, is all the way to the bottom. Right. Right. Let me right. show you how far down we're going to go. Right. And how, and how, how from, from this kingdom's perspective, how dangerous will be the mission? Mm-hmm. We know it's actually not just, he's just the safest place he could be following right. Jesus. But he's going, it's, it's, it's as if. You know, uh, counterculture against the grain into the very heart, heart of resistance. Of, yes. And so we see all of the error of man's fallenness, all of the, the grotesque bound up in one condition. The first person they encounter, at least Luke tells it, is this leper. And Jesus does not say, okay, guys, follow me. We're going to Jerusalem. We've got to talk to the big guys. <laughs> right. He goes... Absolutely the other way around and begins a groundswell of reformation Mm -hmm. and change that begins with the weakest among us. Right. 
the weakest and the absolute most helpless yeah. and the discarded. Now, this is not a call to some 21st century notion of social justice. It's not right. that. It's a picture of, hey, Messiah comes and does not what we expect. We expect the conquering king on the white horse with the sword of power. Oh, that'll come. But first he comes to say, no, he is God. He's good. He knows us, sees us, loves us. And he starts with this completely helpless individual who's representative, really, of all rebellion against God. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't say, it doesn't say the, the crowds with leprosy. We don't have 25 men with leprosy that he heals. The uniqueness of Jesus' interaction, God to individual, mm-hmm. is is very important here. Right. It's not efficient. It is not. It is not that, I mean, he doesn't do a, a, a clarion call to all lepers, come here and let's do this, let's get it all taken care of. He's interested in one heart at a time. He is, and you kind of think the temptation that he experiences in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4 and Mark 1 Part of the temptation is you, you get the sense that Satan, the adversary, shows him, when he shows him the kingdoms of the world, it includes all of the sufferings, all of the pain, mm. all of the brokenness, mm. all of the isolation, mm. loneliness. And Jesus, you can go to the leper colonies of the world in one full swoop. But Jesus knows that's not big enough. That's not scalable. So he doesn't ever just go and find all of the lepers that are on the outskirts of Jerusalem and the hill country. No. He is encountered by this one guy who has ventured into the city where he cannot go. So there's an interesting contrast. Peter says, away from me, Lord, I'm sinful. This guy is sort of our picture of, no, I'm an absolute wretch. And he runs in his wretched, horrible state only to Jesus. So he's an Old Testament leper. But he's got such a desperation that all of those things of God must be angry, God must be disappointed, that's all now less significant than I've got to get to Jesus. And oftentimes, that's, that's how we actually come to faith. We sometimes in the church try to gloss over and just tell people, here's a formula, just say these words after me. But there's a lot of times that Jesus isn't really finished giving someone leprosy. We don't like to think of Jesus Breaking them down a little bit more. Yeah, but he loves us so much that he'll do that. And it's interesting too. Having I'm I'm still at at chapter five. I'm still we're still so close to four, and we're still so close to the Mm -hmm. temptation and the idea that very early in his ministry, Satan is saying you can do all of this to feed yourself, lift yourself up, uh, uh, show the crowds. You know, passion, position, and possession. He's he's trying to tempt Christ to put himself first. Instead, Christ doesn't do those, doesn't feed himself and understands that what his life is, his life's mission about is obedience to God and feeding others. Yeah, because Jesus understands the cosmic gravity of the situation where we really can't, we would not have, we still don't, that what Jesus enters into is a hostage situation. Hmm. If Jesus goes in and obliterates the house or obliterates the, the, the building where the enemy is, then he would have eradicated all the hostages as well. But he cannot, does not, will not do that, praise God. Mm-hmm. He goes in and he, there's this one leper. 
Mm -hmm. This is why he tells that parable in Matthew, I bind the strong man, enter into his house, well, and, and what take I'm, his possessions. And what I'm saying is that the, the distribution of the miraculous is one, like, because this is a miracle that he heals him. Sure. And his capacity to receive and distribute uh, is to him and through him, it does not stop with him. Right. The enemy was getting him to say, you have it all. Right. Enjoy it. Right. But again... The reason is, yes, he's God, but he's also 100% human, mm -hmm. completely reliant on the leadership, movement, guidance of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. who would not have that for him. Mm -hmm. So there's where you sort of really step back and cling to this triune understanding of the Godhead of, oh my goodness, again, he's not a superhero, this Jesus. He's not a superhero with a cape and red boots. He's a human being. That yes, is also God, but in his earthly ministry, 100% reliant upon the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which is a foretaste of who and what we are to be. Well, and sometimes we can't get there until we've had leprosy long enough. That's exactly Until right. we've been helpless long enough, or at least until life has driven us to that precipice where we understand it's either Jesus or complete and total loss. Right. I mean, that's the pain of changing, or the pain of uh, staying the same has to become greater than the pain of changing. Correct. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit's work upon we're us. Backwards, but oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're going to have Mark right across the bottom put uh, <laughs> with that, a bouncing that, ball that quote. Right on. But look at this. He says, uh, "If Lord, it's important. We always know is how they address Christ mm -hmm. is uh, what follows is their predisposition toward Him. If it's mm -hmm. Master, if it's Rabbi, the right. rich young ruler says Rabbi, not Lord. Correct. It's very important. This guy says Lord. He calls him Lord. He says, "If you are willing." I love that. That it's almost a, uh, you know, the first question in the "Did God say?" Right. This mm -hmm. is the first question in Genesis, mm -hmm. and uh, and the enemy uses if several times in order to tempt. If you are the son of God, we'll hear later, bring mm -hmm. yourself down off the cross. Here, the man says, if, it's almost like the, in that if is just enough of a mustard seed right? to unlock everything that, you know, he doesn't say, he says you are Lord, but he can't, he doesn't presume right. upon the Lord's goodness or the Lord's bounty. Or the uh, Lord's will. Yeah. Right. Or and in some sort of way that would say, uh, you doing good to me is predicated on the idea that somewhere down deep, I think I might deserve it. Mm. I mean, he's he's basically l laying himself prostrate before the Lord and saying, uh, if, and we, we're going to hear, uh, this is the way Jesus says in the, in the in the garden when he says, if it be your will, let this pat, cup right. pass. You know, there's the same sort of, uh, you know, Christly disposition somehow. In, in so much as Christ knows his that God is his father. Mm -hmm. Here, this man knows that Jesus is Lord, mm -hmm. falls before him, but doesn't presume upon his goodness. Right. And isn't there something there for us? I think so. I think this is faith mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. This is, this is my avenue. And there are no side streets. There's no alleys. There's no shortcuts. This is it. And if I'm wrong, like Pascal's wager, if I go in this direction and I'm wrong... I've lost nothing. But if this is the way and I don't fall, follow, I've lost everything. Mm -hmm. In a sense, this guy is going, look, you're Lord. I've heard the stories already. Even in making it into our leper colony, mm -hmm. you're it. And look, I know that you can. I just, I, I don't know yet personally if you're good. That's a little bit of what's happening there. 
And Jesus, very abruptly, willing, cleansed. If I may, I'm good. Absolutely. Here you go. In other words, he answers the first. I mean, and we need to hear both of these. We need to hear the answer. We need to hear the answer that he's good so that we can trust his the, 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 the flow of the good. Yeah, the if extent you will. of his power and the depths of his love are never to be in question. What we don't know is if that means he's going to give me a parking spot in front of the Great Today. American Cookie Company. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not this is not what we're talking about. This or if he's gonna or if he's gonna heal me. That's right. That's right. Oh. This is a whole grander category of a desperate plea of restoration from mm-hmm. separation, isolation, which is a death. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. a leper is the zombie apocalypse personified. Yeah. He's completely separate and apart. He has no contact. He is a zombie apocalypse that Jesus just says, I'm good. You're cleansed. Doesn't make him work for it. No, no, no. He's cleansed, and then he gets to go and do some things. But he doesn't do all those things so that he can be cleansed. He's cleansed. I also like the idea that while leprosy, like as you said, works its way out. Oh, man. Uh, uh, exteriorly. Exteriorly? Externally. Uh, externally. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sickness is so internal. Yeah. Oh. That only a God who can penetrate the mm-hmm. external to reach the depths uh, could Well, could, and could I, I can't imagine in our day and age with all of the psychotherapy that we've devised and, and begun mm-hmm. to understand, mm-hmm. yeah, the physical malady that translated into a social and a spiritual malady— but I can't even imagine the mental, psychological anguish. I mean, we don't understand the depths of what it is to not be capable of touch and sensation. Mm-hmm. And for Jesus, in an instant, and the same speed and rapidity of yeah. nets being full of fish, this guy is completely restored. I mean, I was, I was preparing for this passage, mm-hmm. and it would choke me up mm-hmm. all the time, thinking mm-hmm. this guy is the zombie apocalypse, and just like that, mm-hmm. he's whole. And no one can throw stones at him anymore. Mm. Nobody can condemn him. No one can accuse him. He's clean simply because of Jesus. And then there's all the stuff, you know, we get down into the paragraph where Jesus tells him to go declare himself to the priest Mm -hmm. to be examined. That would have been in Capernaum. Mm -hmm. And then to make his way to Jerusalem to tell the, the priests at the temple Hey, I need to offer sacrifice because he didn't offer sacrifice in Capernaum. And, and, and so he's not saying, "Hey, forget all that this stuff." He's not. This is a new thing. He's saying, "Be cleansed, be clean, be free of this, and reintegrate." Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder, like, did the guy, you know, did it take some time for him to trust his senses again? Probably. I mean, th- and there's something there for us. I mean, as we are born again, mm-hmm. can we trust our senses? Not all of them. Right. It's going to take the Holy Spirit to help us know, is there an area of my life where I'm still hardened, where I haven't received healing enough or haven't, you know, uh, uh, haven't, the, the faith has not been employed. There's still some areas of my life where I prefer deadness. Yeah. Do you know? Is, and darkness is, and hiddenness. And darkness and hiddenness. And not- sure, sure, sure. Because it's an intense sensation, perhaps, even if it's negative, and mm-hmm. so I cling to it and clutch mm-hmm. it. But what Jesus in his brilliance and in the leadership of the Spirit does— is tells him to go and do this, to present himself to the priest, and then to go to temple and offer sacrifice, knowing that that's actually a much more scalable thing than if he just went into the leper colony or went into all the hungry people and, like, snapped his fingers and did a thing. That, you know, kind of 
this way, the corroboration of this guy's story with all of the other witnesses, that grows exponentially. Yeah, and this is the personification of what Jesus just said has occurred when right. he rolled up the after rolling or That's before it. rolling up That's the it. scroll. And so the fissures of menness yeah. begins to happen. People say, Hey, I was there. I saw it. That guy was a rotten, full of leprosy dude yeah. who was hopeless. I saw it. And then you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. The telephone game, probably mm-hmm. a little bit of, you know, mm-hmm. misdirections and things, but that spreads like wildfire. And so then there's the sacrifice that this guy is commanded to go and present to the, the, the altar at temple that is such a wonderful picture that, by the way, Jesus would have told Moses and Aaron what to do with the sacrifice for a cleansed leper, which, by the way, and I mentioned this yesterday, yeah. so far as we know, nobody ever got cleaned from leprosy, ever. Miriam gets it temporarily by God, mm-hmm. and then he removes it from her. King Uzziah gets leprosy. He dies from it. Naaman has leprosy, this uh, Syrian general, mm-hmm. he has to dip in the Jordan seven River, times, this gross, right? dirty, nasty Jordan yeah. water, seven times. And he says, we've got bigger, fresher, cleaner rivers in Syria. And Elisha the prophet was like, that's not what it's about. Well, not only that, I mean, he, prophet Elijah didn't even come out of the house, right? He right. wouldn't see him. Right, he just kind of So, So it, it was a sense of like, first he had to overcome his ego of not being... Uh, right. entertained, not being welcomed, Correct. but instead trust the word in this way that was given t- to Elijah. Absolutely. Well, So this guy yeah. goes and he gets to do the sacrifice, which to boil all that down is this wonderful visceral picture of substitutionary atonement. Something innocent dies for the sake of the guilty and it creates freedom and life, prosperity and blessing. It's a wonderful story to very early on mark the ministry of Jesus. And it sets the stage for, man, what's what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And for that, well, you got to come back next week. Well, and later when he's going to call these Pharisees and Sadducees whitewashed tombs, mm-hmm. he, is, he is sending one who was filthy on the outside but <laughs> showed himself to be pure on the inside. And so much as he called on the name of the Lord. Right. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, he sends that now cleansed, uh, not not even a tomb, but cleansed vessel right. of his spirit right into the halls of oppression mm-hmm. to reclaim them. Beautiful thing, man. It is, bro. Come Let's get up. back at it uh, this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. Downtown. See you then. Bye now.